0: Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. Habs Unfiltered is featured on The Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio. This podcast brings you honest and in-depth hockey discussion and entertainment. Our hosts, Matt Smith, Trey Wilson, and Blaine Pudvay are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 292. I am your host, Blaine Pudvey. and I'm going solo on this episode. Um, so Treg is on a recruiting drive in Winnipeg. I don't know why he would be, <laughs> why they would send anyone to Winnipeg. Uh, you'd think people in Winnipeg would want out because it's so damn cold, but uh, I can't, I can't. I've got friends in Winnipeg. It's a great city. Uh, I really enjoy my time there, so we'll move on. Uh, Matt Smith is working. He's always working. He never quits. He is he is there to defend us at all times. So my co-hosts are unable to join me, so I'm going to do it, go it alone. And basically, I'm just going to talk about the, uh, the review of the Canadians' last game, and then talk a little bit about the novel that came <laughs> that came out from uh Pierre Jarvay, the former equipment manager for the canadians so without further ado the flyers game so saturday night the flyers went to montreal uh, and it was an exciting game um it was a high event game meaning there wasn't a lot of defense It was back and forth there were there were goals or hits there were it it had everything you needed it to be to be an entertaining game on a saturday night in montreal the fans were wild um because there was all kinds of things going on like i said so it turned into a really really good night especially for cole caulfield who earned the first star after scoring two goals the second of which was uh The goal to tie the game to send it to overtime. And he scored that with only 1.9 seconds left. So eventually the Canadians ended up taking a 5-4 shootout win. But I wanted to go into a little bit about some other aspects of the game. So like I said, it was a high event game. Defense. Defense the Canadians are still having a difficult time. I mean, you're playing with a bunch of rookies. Uh, It was Mike Matheson's first game of the season and his first as a Montreal Canadian officially. Uh, And I'll get into his play here in a moment, but (sighs) penalty kill worked great for the Canadians. They, uh, they went four for four on the penalty kill. They held the other team to a handful of shots They blocked a few shots. So defensively on the penalty kill, as a team, they did well. But they were allowing far too many shots and shot attempts, especially from in close. If you look at the heat map for the Flyers, it was pretty, pretty dark right around the crease. Now, on the other side of that coin, the Canadians' offense was very good. Um, the transition game is continuing to be a very big source of their offensive play. Um, They got a ton of, a ton of chances off the rush. Uh, But if you look at the heat map for the Canadians, and this is where I'm starting to feel a little bit more uh, relieved because this is not something that we've seen over the last few years. And that's the heat map for the Canadians gets really dark around the opposing team's net. It's showing that the Canadians are starting to go to the net more. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with Hughes and Gorton adding players with some size. The players with size are able to withstand the uh, the abuse. They have the strength to get into those areas. Guys like Anderson and Doc and uh, Monahan. They're all going to the net. Gallagher, of course, it goes without saying, Um, but there's more of them going to the net. Slavkovsky, even, he was seen in front of the net for the few shifts that he had in the game. Um, But it's, it's, it's changing the look of the Canadians offense. Now there's a lot more to be done, but in that game, the, the fact that the Canadians had a bit of a cycle, they have a quick strike offense. They're going to the net. They're they're diversifying their portfolio of offense, if you will. Now, on that, talk a little bit about uh, Monahan. I mentioned him. He's a, he was a big factor in front of the net, especially on the power play where the Canadians went one for four. Uh, the uh, they had five shots on net, missed two. And they got a goal out of the deal. So, if you're watching the power play, you'll notice that when Monahan's on the power play. He is directly in front of the net, and he is consistently in the goaltender's face. Uh, He's creating traffic. He's forcing defenders to cover him, creating even more traffic in front of the net. That opens up space up high, and the Canadians were able to sustain pressure in the offensive zone during the power play uh, more often than not, which is not something that at the beginning of the season we saw very much of. So the adjustments they're making on the power play seem to start uh, to be paying off. They're starting to anyway, if if it continues a one for four on the power play, that's 25%. They can get 20% on the power play by the end of the season. That that'd be okay. But if they can get higher than that, that would be helpful, especially as they add, uh, they add some skill to the team. Um, now with the skill, uh, Kirby doc, Kirby doc was that big trade. They, the, uh, they made this summer. Um, he's supposed to be the Canadians, uh, number two center so far. He has proven to become the right winger on the top line with Suzuki and Caulfield. And those three have been lights out. Amazing. Doc is a, a great fit on that line. Uh, He wins board battles. He has the vision and the ability to get pucks through traffic onto the blades of both Suzuki and Caulfield. And the three of them have a bit of a chemistry going. Suzuki and Caulfield clearly have that the chemistry that we've been seeing. And they're the pair that are going to be kept together. And others are going to join that line. For now, though, Doc has proven to be a perfect fit does that mean he is not going to be a center or the canadians number two center and i'm going to say no that does not mean that i think this line is going to continue for a while but eventually there's going to be some changes some injuries something will happen and doc will go back to center and they're going to have to work on his uh his play as a center so that they can really see if he can fill that role because the whole the whole goal in a rebuild is to add specific pieces. So you need a big minute-munching defenseman. Uh, I know fans are hoping that it's Ghouli. I don't know if it's going to be him. Uh, he is on pace for about 35 points. And for someone who doesn't have any power play time, as a rookie on defense, it's pretty good. Um, but is he going to be that 30-minute-a-game quarterback uh, on the blue line? I I don't think so. Uh, I think he'd be a great complement to a guy like that because he can play 30 minutes, and he's effective, and he does have a lot of the attributes you'd be looking for on a top pair, but I don't think he's that, that top guy. Um, time will tell, but I don't don't know. I'm not too sure on it, but top pairing, I could see him being on a top pairing. Now, uh, the other aspects of rebuilding pieces, you need those two centers. You got Suzuki, who's proving to become a 1C, and he's on pace for about 105 points, which is not bad for a centerman who had 61 points last season on an entry-level contract. Now that he's on this big money contract for the first time, he's producing and you've seen a progression in his game. Every single season he has gotten better. He's added different aspects and nuances to his game. And that's what you want to see, especially from a 23 year old who is now team captain. So, The talk of him having the ninth worst contract in the NHL. Uh, Sure, keep talking. Use whatever metrics you want to uh, to have that be on there. But if you, in your own writing, when you wrote it at the time, thought, you know, I think I'm going to be proven wrong, maybe shift your metrics a little bit. But hey, you do you people who know, people know who i'm talking about and why anyhow so you need those two centers and this is where doc comes in you want doc to prove whether he can or cannot play at a top 6 center level if he can't then you you go out and you find someone because as it stands right now he's an excellent option on the wing uh, we've seen it. And the draft this year is filled with centers. So if you can find a way to test out the theory of whether or not he's a top six, do it. If, if it proves he can't, well, the Canadians have two first round picks right now. They can move up. Maybe they end up with a top 10 pick and get that center right off the bat or they trade, or they trade up to get him. either way. Hughes has the options. Uh, so we'll, we'll hold out a little bit there for their overall record, which is over 500 right now. I think it'll regress to the mean a little bit and they'll, they'll dip down. But for now the team is playing exciting hockey. Uh, it's fun to watch uh, the, the young players you you're seeing progression in their game. Some, some of them from game to game. Uh, now, I mentioned Matheson. I'm going to get back to the young players here in a second. I mentioned Matheson. It was his first game with uh, with the Canadians, his first game back after injury. And he did not look like he missed a beat. He, he was solid. He was very, very solid. And that's what you want to see from a veteran defenseman. He's a 28-year-old defenseman. He's going to be their, their top guy uh, for this season. Now, his overall ice time, And that's, that's what I'm kind of wondering about. Like he, for his first game, he still had a decent amount of time. He, um, you know, he was around 23 minutes and 57 seconds. That's good. He got a goal in his first, in his first game back with the Canadians, a nice goal off a gorgeous feed by Suzuki. You, You saw Suzuki give a shoulder check when he's down below the goal line. Uh, and then he he did a spin to get the puck directly onto Matheson's stick, knowing that he was gonna be there. And he Suzuki got that pass through traffic. And Matheson just nailed that shot perfectly. And he got his goal. Now, Matheson also took three shots on net. Uh, he he was he was well positioned, he showed that he can move the puck up ice fluidly he has a good vision he can pass the puck well moving Jeff Petrie for him giving Jeff Petrie his uh his requested trade I think this is far more than what most people would have expected Hughes to get and in that trade and Matheson's showing that a kid from Montreal is excited to be in Montreal that that kind of the kind of thing where it's showing people, showing everyone else that Montreal is a place to be, a place to play. It's it's attracting people. It's attractive to people. The way they're playing, with the locals on the team who are excited and showing that excitement. It's showcasing the team and showcasing the city. It's showcasing the opportunities that this team could provide. Now, back on to. The young guys. Now I mentioned Gooley; He was very good in that game. Uh, He, he was consistently in, in position. He was breaking up plays. He was making passes up ice. Uh, He was holding the zone in the offensive zone. Uh, They they continue in the cycle very well. And physically he took a couple of hits knowing that he was going to get hit. He was able to brush them off and move the puck up ice But he threw a couple of big hits and one specifically on Lawton where he absolutely leveled him. Lawton needed help to get up and go to the bench. Uh, Thankfully, Lawton wasn't hurt. He was just, he was just winded because it was, it was a heavy hit. Um, And and that's the kind of play you want to see from Gouley. He's showing that he can play that veteran type of game. He's not, he's not making those rookie mistakes. And that bodes well. That's why I believe he could become uh, a top pairing guy, but a complimentary top pairing guy. Um, Jack guy, Jack guy is continuing to play a good uh, lower pairing uh, minutes kind of play. He he's, he's got more to his game, but so far he's been solid on the third pair. And in this game uh, he got a couple of shots on net through traffic. uh, He they weren't big, heavy shots, but they were they were put in so that they can create rebounds or opportunities. And that's what you want to see. You want to see shots on net. And he's one of the better producers of shots on net for the Canadians. And he did get into a a, a little bit of a fight. <laughs> so Delorier from the Flyers decided that Jack Eye's hit behind the net on one of his teammates just wasn't acceptable even though it was a perfectly clean hit and i i hate seeing people fight over clean hits it's kind of pointless but nonetheless uh deloria challenged him to a fight jack eye took him on and deloria being the veteran knew he was a little bit outgunned when it if he had to go toe-to-toe throwing haymakers back and forth so he got in tight. He got Jack Eye moving a little bit, kind of spinning him around. And then he he was able to put the give him a little bit of a shove as they were turning, throwing Jack Eye off and scoring the takedown. So I'd, I'd give the win to Delory on that. But Jack Eye is showing that he, he's gaining the respect of the, the fighters in the league. And that kind of intimidation factor is going to help the Canadians over the long term the only real issues that I'm seeing stemming from the Canadians in this game. I mean, it's not that it's a massive issue, but over the long run, it might be. And that's the over-reliance on the top line. The top line is the source of the vast majority of the offense. And Suzuki is being relied on heavily. He led the team in in, uh, time on ice. Uh, It was just over 25 minutes. And, I realized that there was an overtime in there, but that is a lot of ice time in a 65 minute game. Not that he can't handle it. Clearly, with two assists and the uh, the goal in the shootout that won the game, he he's able to do it. But that's not something you want to see from a top center in the long run. So that's where the that second center that's highly reliable offensively, defensively kind of like Suzuki. That's why all the best teams have those, that one, two punch down the middle. So for now, there's a heavy reliance on Suzuki. He's, uh, he's regularly over two, uh, 22 minutes per game, but he was 24 58 in this one. Uh, the good news on all this t- as well is that he was 75% on his faceoffs. And, in support to him on up up the middle uh, was uh, Dvorak. Dvorak played about 19 to 20 minutes, and he was 69 percent on his face offs, which is pretty nice. So overall, the Canadians had a fun, exciting, uh, high in- high intensity, high event game against the Flyers, and the fans, whether the team would have won or not came away happy, especially after that amazing goal by Caulfield at the end of the game, that big one timer off the Suzuki pass and the goal of Suzuki scored in the shootout. He's just Suzuki's just proving to be, to be a real number one center. So the fans are happy. The team won a game. Was it perfect? No, there's there stuff to work on. Yes. But you could be happy with the process. It's showing that Saint Louis has a plan in place and it's working. Now, the Pierre Jeanvier book came out, and there's some, there's, <laughs> it's kind of a tell-all book, and that's he's not someone I expected that would come out with one. I mean, who hears of the equipment managers ever writing tell-all books? or books in, at all but uh he did and he had some doozy stories in there now this is a guy who was with the canadians from 1986 until last season he had two stanley cup runs with this team one twice they yeah the third one there in 21 uh they lost that one so he's two and one in the finals with the canadians he's seen a lot of players come and go he had nothing but praise for saku koivu uh the story he provided i'm not going to give anything away he should read his book he really should it's it, i i'm part way through it really good read uh but the story he gave about suzuki and not suzuki sorry uh koivu in that book kind of reinforces what i thought of the man of koivu of being a stand up guy uh just just a salt of the earth type of person. And you love seeing that, especially someone who was the captain of the team for 10 years. One of the longest terms, Uh, him and Jean Benivaux were the longest term captains in the history of the franchise. And you want those classy types of people. If if that's, that's really what you want to see in a captain. So hopefully Suzuki is going to learn from his predecessors and continue that. Um, he really leaned into uh, Max Pacioretty. My God, he, yeah, I know he he said some stuff about Ducharme, but I'm going to go on about the, uh, the Pacioretty bit. Basically, he came out and said that Pacioretty should never be captain. He is not captain material. Uh, he is a selfish person. He is self-centered. Uh, he, he, he he wants. He was very very specific about equipment and what he wanted. Whether anybody else was going to use anything or not, he didn't care. If the equipment team had to work overtime or extra hours, and they already work super long hours, and this is all according to Pierre Javet. Now, while Pacioretty was a great scorer, uh, I believe that what he this term that Javet uh, used was if the team would have won ten to one. And Patchetti did not score. He would be upset, even though the team won ten to one. He'd be upset because he didn't score a goal. And he kind of used that to to show that he he felt that he was selfish. And he mentioned that he followed it up with uh, the team in Vegas, talked to their equipment people, and they confirmed everything that he he saw. And he stated it as much in the book. Now, is it okay to be uh, telling stories out of turn or, uh, you know, these tell all books because what happens in the room is supposed to stay in the room. And this is taking some stories out of that dressing room. Things that, uh, some things make these players look good. Some things make these players look bad. uh, But it's all stuff that happened in that dressing room. Now, Think does it really cross a line uh, in hockey world? Perhaps uh, the fans love seeing these little insider reports. It, it it brings a little bit more light to the subject, so that it, it humanizes the the players, and that's what the fans like. But in this case, it's a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Uh, I I still got a lot more to go in the book, but so far it's a good read. Um, I'll leave your conclusions to you. Maybe you don't agree with the fact that he wrote it. Maybe you love the fact that he wrote it. You're indifferent. It's up to you. Uh, you know, life is a choose your own adventure. So you do so. Anyhow, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening to this solo episode of Habs Unfiltered. Uh, we are on Cryer Media, uh, Check us out there. Uh, We are on Megaphone now. Uh, We're on every platform you can find, a podcast. We are there. Uh, Please like and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. And um, remember, if you're talking about it, so are we.